Welcome to the Books and Travel podcast. I'm Jo Francis-Penn, thriller and dark fantasy author, bringing you escape and inspiration about unusual and fascinating places, as well as the deeper side of books and travel. You can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page. And if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, download one of my ebooks for free at jfpen.com forward slash free. Hello, travellers. I'm Jo Francis Penn, and this is episode number six of the Books and Travel podcast. Today, I'm talking about Macabre Montreal with Mark Lefebvre, who writes horror novels, but also non-fiction books about the darker side of Canadian cities. Now, Mark and I have been friends for years now, and we are both happy, smiley, positive people. But we also share a love of the gothic and the supernatural. And yes, you can be both, as you will find out on this show as I continue doing interviews and my own talks. Now, we talk about some of the interesting things about Montreal, the city, and also why walking is a good way to look around. Now, I have been to Montreal. I visited in 2011 in the final months of my old day job before I left to become a full-time writer. Now, I was over there implementing financial systems into a company office. I was trapped in cubicle hell (laughs) and my visit to the city was really overshadowed by the fact I was not enjoying my work and desperately wanted to leave. So I wasn't there for very long and I, I did manage a quick sort of day out and as is my habit, I went straight to the cathedral. I love cathedrals and I love architecture. It's a real thing for me. I I enjoy architecture. And so I visited the Cathedral of Notre Dame and then also wandered around the old city. And I think that the European past and the French language that is in Montreal just uh, kind of made me feel at home. (laughs) But Montreal is so much more than that. And I, I barely... I barely scratched the surface with a quick trip. And although I've also been to Toronto in Canada, I don't know Canada at all. It's definitely on my list to go back. It It's such a big country. <laughs> I think that's why I haven't spent more time in Canada, but uh, definitely on my list. So I hope you enjoy the interview with Mark today. Mark Leslie is a Canadian horror writer with a passion for haunted places. And today we're talking about his book, Macabre Montreal. Hi, Mark. Hey, uh, Joe. How's it? Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for coming on. So just tell us, uh, for starters, where are you in the world right now? I, right now, I'm in Waterloo, Ontario, and uh, that's in Canada. And for those people who aren't familiar with where Waterloo, Ontario is, it's about an hour, an hour and a half drive um, northwest of Toronto. Wow. So, um, and just to give us a taste of where that is, like, is it near lake or mountains or what, what is it like there? Yeah, we are near those. So the Great Lakes of North America, um, just north of uh, Lake Ontario. Um, and so uh, Waterloo is relatively flat. I mean, there are there's a local ski hill, but it's not very big. You have to drive a couple hours to get to a really, really nice big ski hill, Blue Mountain, or um, or even few, many more hours. One of the best skiing uh, in this part of Canada is um, uh, near Montreal. And so, um, yeah, it's it's just um, lots of greenery. We're near the Niagara Escarpment. So Niagara oh, Falls yeah. is about a two-hour drive away from here and the Niagara Escarpment is beautiful so the hiking here 
is uh, impeccable. Great trails for running and, you know, taking the dogs for a walk, et cetera. Yeah. Wow. It's just amazing. But today we're talking about Montreal. Um, so why are you writing about Montreal? You're not living there. Uh, what fascinates you about the city <laughs> and like what is different? Because I think people don't, might not know about Quebec or, um, you know, yeah. t- tell us about, about that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, initially, uh, my my co-author for the book is Shana Krishnasamy, and we used to work together. And uh, Shana knew that I had written ghost story books. Uh, This would be the sixth one I have either written or co-written. And she lives in Montreal. And she said, hey, would you you ever want to co-author a book together? And that's how some of the projects come about. She says, well, I live in Montreal, so she could go on the ghost walks and take pictures. And then myself, I could do a lot of the research through reading and books and, and, and stuff like that. Now, one of the beautiful things about Montreal is um, probably Quebec City um, is probably the only city in Canada that has more of a European feel uh, than Montreal. Like some of the, some of the old Montreal downtown has a very, you know, when you're in, when you're in uh, Paris or you're in Lille in, in France, you get that sense, this just beautiful old architecture and the cobblestone streets and all of this beautiful history. And Montreal does have a beautiful sense of that history. So it has a, a Quebec in Canada has a very, very strong French culture. It's um, probably more primarily French than any other uh, place in Canada. My actual last name is uh, Lefebvre or Lefebvre, if, if you want to try and give a bit of a f- French uh, tang to it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't speak French very, very well, and most people can never spell or pronounce Lefebvre. Um, however, however, if you go to Montreal and, and you look at the phone book, uh, whereas the phone book in Toronto might have 10 or 20 Lefebvre's uh, in it. And um, if you go to the Montreal phone book, there'll be 20 or 30 pages of Lefebvre's because it is, it is a common name, well, not as common as Smith, but it's like a French version of, of Smith. Mm. And um, but, but Montreal, I think, um, has such a rich culture and history. And, and again, a lot of uh, French and, and again, a lot of the formation of Canada is embedded in this because Montreal is right on the um, St. Lawrence Seaway. So it's right on the St. Lawrence. So thinking about the, the main commerce routes, you know, especially trading coming in uh, from Europe and, and, and travelers and explorers. So there's just such, um, such a fascinating history to dig into. And that for a ghost story is, is the best type of ghost story when you can, when you can rely on the history. Mm, just on the language thing. So do people in Quebec uh, primarily speak French? So like if you go to Montreal, would you expect the signs to be in French? And, uh, you know, wh- wh- what is the dominance of French language in, in Quebec? Yeah, I think uh, in Quebec City, there's probably a lot more uh, dominant because there are there are millions of people probably in, in, in Montreal that don't speak French, <laughs> they only speak mm-hmm. English. Uh, it is very multicultural, but but French is very, very dominant. And so, I mean, the last time I had spent some time uh, in in Montreal, I was, I was uh, working there on a contract for a week and I was in a very highly concentrated neighborhood at the University de Montréal, <laughs> University of Montreal. <laughs> and, um, and I was training people on, on this technology um, that didn't speak English. So I was using uh, Google Translate <laughs> to type in what I wanted to say in English, reading it, and, and then trying to say it in French. And they were very forgiving and very generous to me. And, and, and I didn't have any English-speaking companions. So even when I went out for breakfast or, or dinner or went out after, after work, I tried very, very hard to speak French because I wanted 
to speak it. And it was really great because I would speak French to the waiter and then the waiter would respond in English. It's like, it's obvious you don't do this very well. So. <laughs> Which is what's so interesting, I think, because many people don't even, I think, understand that Canada has this kind of uh, French side to it. So the, yeah. so the other thing you mentioned there was the um, St. Lawrence River. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I have been to Montreal. I also worked there not for mm-hmm. very long, like a couple of weeks. So I've walked around it. But the the St. Lawrence River makes it a river city, doesn't it? So oh, what sure. influence does the river have, do you think, on, on the way the city is? Well, I mean, it, it the river splits the city too, right? So you have the uh, north and the south uh, part of, of the city. Um, I remember um, one of the earliest stories uh, I heard was a, a vice principal from my high school growing up. And I remember interviewing him when he was retiring. And it was fascinating because I'd never been to Montreal, but he shared stories of growing up in Montreal and seeing um, war-related activities on the seaway where, you know, there was a sub with, you know, prisoners who were, <laughs> you know, right there. And they, they could actually – so when you have access to a port city, when you have access to that sort of uh, uh, visual – like whether, you know, Halifax in Canada, which is on the East Coast, would have a very similar feel where you see the ships coming in and out. So you're seeing lots of people coming maybe for the mm-hmm. first time to Canada or you're seeing activity, you're seeing commerce, you're seeing war related activities, right? Because whenever you're close to the edge, even though Montreal's you know, in almost in the middle of Canada on the eastern uh, Canada, uh, that leads to uh, an, an, an export from the country or an import into the country very uh, interestingly. So the dynamic of a river can take that edge where Halifax is on the edge of Canada and, and the, you know, on the edge of the ocean um, and, and it brings it inland. So it, mm. it, it's both an inland community and a, and a sea community, you know, with, <laughs> yeah, with a salt water-ish. Yeah, which is amazing. And I always love river, river cities. I think they have a, a certain f- feel. But just coming back to the French influence. So I've yeah. certainly been to the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. I mm. always think, you know, if you want to see something a bit macabre and a bit bloody, <laughs> go to the local Catholic Oh, for <laughs> <church>. sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, so I've been in there, although it's actually, I think it's 19th century. It's not super old, um, that no. cathedral. But what are some of the, if people want to see into the history, the French influence, of course, the British killed people as well and the British always go around killing people um but the um you know where might people visit to sort of see that French history well I think uh I mean one of the best ways to uh, to see some of the French history is is the cemetery Uh, Mount Royal Cemetery is this spectacularly huge metropolis of a cemetery And, and what I found fascinating is I expected to see a lot of French names but then mm-hmm. I found like there was a Chinese section, like it's almost like a, a, a Chinatown sort of in the cemetery. And then there was an Italian section and then there was a Polish section. And, and so there's this amazing cultural dichotomy in, in the cemetery that we found. And Liz and I, when we were there uh, this past fall in October, we were, we were there exploring. And we, I think we spent three hours exploring the cemetery and just finding all of the different sections. Um, there's a huge Jewish population uh, from Montreal as well. Um, so for me, the cemetery, for sure. But then you look at, uh, there's the old Montreal uh, downtown where you get a really great feel for some of the history and some of the legacy. But what I really like about it is, I mean, it's such a large city. It's the second largest city in Canada. So um, it has it has this really great sense what you get with in, in most really large cities is you have the the expansion of the city and the downtown. But then when you get into certain neighborhoods, you get this amazing 
flair of the local history and the local culture and every little every every neighborhood has its own uniqueness to it that could almost be in almost any city um, except for the fact uh, that there's a predominant French population and even though Canada is an officially bilingual country uh, Quebec and Montreal would be a place where you actually see bilingual signs <laughs> you know see stop yeah. arrête rather than just uh, arrête or just stop and in, and in many places in Quebec you don't see stop you just see arrête so, um, where you, you know, you don't get, uh, you don't get as much of that. Like in Ontario where I live, there's certain communities such as Sudbury where I uh, grew up that does have a, a, a higher prominence of French people. Uh, but Toronto, not as much, right? Toronto is a lot more multicultural, uh, in nature. So it's harder to find somebody who actually speaks French. Mm. So the, just back on that cemetery. So of course I've been, I love both of us enjoy cemeteries and I've yeah. been through a lot in France, obviously Père Lachaise in Paris would be a, a famous cemetery where um, there were more the European style of mausoleums, which yep. I think, it, you know, like little houses almost um, where the, the, oh, the dead yeah. are placed. So is, is that the sense of, of Mount Royal is, has it got kind of the European mausoleum? Um, yeah. idea? Has it got some beautiful um sculptures what's so cool about it? oh, it's gorgeous yeah the mausoleums alone are evidence and so liz uh, my partner um and i when we were up there she's the one who pointed out she said it's amazing how you know people live beyond life <laughs> the way they lived so you can imagine that maybe they lived in a giant mansion in a certain rich neighborhood in montreal and now they're in the rich neighborhood where you look at it and you think wow these dead people are sleeping, you know, their bodies are resting in a place that's probably nicer than a lot of people live in right now who are alive. Mm. Um, I mean, the, 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 it's amazing. I, I love rituals around death and I love the way that we, uh, we treat them like how we go visit dead people and, and how we respect the, their lives and how we honor them. But these must like, these are expensive. Like they're, they're, they look gorgeous. It's like, I could live here. This is so nice. <laughs> Um, and, and, yeah. and again, there's just neighborhoods, sprawling neighborhoods of these. It's almost like when you go to uh, a certain city and you wonder, well, how can somebody afford a house this big? And, and you're thinking, well, yeah, I know what a tombstone costs. You know, when, when you're having uh, buried family members, I know what it costs just to, for a standard tombstone. I can't imagine what a sculpture like this. <laughs> like like would, this would, is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we better start saving up now, Mark, for uh, for post-life sculptures. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but um. So talking about the the darker side. So you you as you said you've written six ghostly haunted place books and ghost yeah. tours. I mean I live in Bath in in the UK as you know and there are ghost tours here. They're popular throughout the world. And I I thought before we get into the the detail like what do you think draws people? So people arrive in a new city and they go on a ghost tour of the city, which is you know yeah. some people would find that a little macabre as as we said. Right. So what what does it add to an experience of a place to go on a sort of a ghost tour? Well, I think uh, it, it goes back to the reason why I enjoy writing these books, because regardless of whether or not people believe in ghosts or they believe in life after death or what they believe, regardless of even their religion or whatever, there's an opportunity with um, ghosts that people want to talk about it because it's the unknown and everyone loves talking about the unknown. Now, for, for myself, I was never good at history. Uh, the way history had been taught to me in school, it was the most boring subject I can ever imagine. And, and you know, you get the old tropes where you say, well, why is this important? It happened 100 years ago. How does it affect me today? Um, and I never I never had teachers that were able to drive at home. The very first ghost walk I went on was in our nation's capital in Ottawa. 
And I remember going on the ghost walk because we thought, yeah, this is going to be interesting. I'd love to hear some ghost stories. And that's when I made the connection between history and ghosts because they were dressed in, you know, in the Victorian sort of robes and they had an old lantern and, and it, and it felt like you were walking back in history and they explained so much about the people and the places. And you realize all of a sudden that the history of that city comes alive when you start to talk about the people who walked here before us, the people who built the things, the people who lived and dreamed and died. And of course, that's what leads to the the stories of the hauntings and the ghosts. So I think when I go to a city, I think one of the, one of the most fascinating ways to learn about the city is not just walking through neighborhoods, but it's actually, if there's a local ghost walk, you're usually going to get an amazing flavor for history. And again, you can't tell a good ghost story without digging into some of that rich history. And in every single book I've written, you know, Macabre Montreal included, I learned so much more about the city than I than I thought I I thought I initially knew stuff about the city. But then when you start digging into the past, you went, wow, that's fascinating. I didn't know that about Montreal or I didn't know that about Ottawa or, or one of the other cities. And that to me is where where the ghosts, uh, uh, the ghost stories come in really, really handy. And it's also... I think the other thing is because people love to talk about it, um, word of mouth travels really, really fast. You know, you, you're at a restaurant afterwards and you're you're raving to the the waiter or the waitress about uh, the tour you were just on, and then they tell other people, right? So there's this great um, there's this great opportunity to um, uh, for that to spread in in, a, in an analog viral way. Mm, yeah, I, I know what you mean, and and it, I, I like that you're saying it kind of brings history alive and with story. It's not just a, a historical thing; it kind of brings it alive with a character. Because yeah. often you're talking about someone who might have been murdered, or um, you know, I was interested in the mob, the mob chapter, sort of mob violence. Yes. That I was quite unexpected <laughs> to kind of, of read about that. You think about Chicago and the mob, but yeah. no, everywhere Montreal has a mob. But I am interested in your um, in your thoughts on ghosts because again you and I both write darker things right. um, and I I think I feel ghosts are like an imprint on the environment that has come from us some kind of traumatic event right. I don't know how we maybe we have a sense that some people have a sense where you pick up on something historically nasty yeah. almost I don't believe in ghosts so I wonder like what, <laughs> what, what after all these books what are your thoughts on 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 ghosts I I, I, I believe it all and uh, and none of it at the same time so I mean I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an optimistic skeptic or an open-minded skeptic so I mean one of the theories and and I bounce around uh, I that is one of my theories that um, that uh, a traumatic event or an important event left an impression on the time space continuum. And what we're seeing is like a, a real, a history reel, because it was such a strong impression, like an echo or a ripple on, you know, in water that what we're seeing is the effect of that long ago. Um, but then of course, then there's also the, you know, the interactive, and that would be a non-interactive ghost that just kind of goes through the ritual and you just see it again and again and again and again. But then there are stories where the ghost is interactive or people talk about, um, you know, one of the stories I, I remember relaying, and some of them are so touching and beautiful. It's like a, a grandchild was singing a song while uh, their mother was there and walked into the room, heard them singing this song. And he said, well, what, what song are you singing? And she said, oh, the nice man sings it to me every night uh, to, to go to sleep. And the nice man, and, and she found a picture of the nice man a few days later, and, and that was the woman's 
father who had died before the baby was born. And that was the song that the, her father used to sing to her when she was asleep. And she had never mm-hmm. sang the song to her child. And suddenly her child knew the song because the nice man would sing it to her. So that's, you know, an interactive ghost where, is that the spirit of the deceased? Or is there some other presence that's bringing that love into the child's life. And, and, and so that's where I keep changing my perspective on what a ghost mm. is, depending on the stories I hear and the, and the details that uh, surround it. But again, that's the fascinating thing about it is because you and I can both, both believe in the paranormal and, and, and the source isn't as important as the effect that the story has on us. You know, it gives us a chill. It makes us feel warm. It makes us feel cold. Uh, it makes us feel, um, you know, maybe a, a, a lovely tear to think about how touching it is that you can, you can be connected. And I think it also relates to the way that humanity itself is connected in many, many ways where we were probably, we have more, even though our world is very divisive right now, especially we have more in common with one another than we ever let on. And we have more mm-hmm. in common with those people who lived here in Canada hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago where you are, right? Uh, you know, where, where there was a richer uh, history. Um, we have more in common with those people than we believe. And I think ghosts help us see that. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about emotion, isn't it? Uh, with our fiction and yeah. also with things like these ghost tours, but, you know, the the thrill, the the horror, like you you write horror as your fiction, but yeah. these books are a kind of the, the other side of horror, almost true true horror, true crime. But yeah. um, in saying that, what are some of the places? So if people go to Montreal and they get on one of those open top buses and it's going to take <laughs> them around the sites, yeah. you know, the main things, that's kind of obvious. But um, obviously we've mentioned Mount Royal Cemetery. Yeah. Are there other places that you would recommend visiting, um, yeah. either dark, darker places or unusual places, less well-known um, that, that people might be interested in visiting when they're in Montreal? Yeah, I think I think Griffintown is, is a great neighborhood uh, to visit, only because probably one of the most popular common uh, ghosts um, is the ghost of uh, Mary uh, Gallagher, who uh, was a lady of the evening um, in, in June 24th, 1879, uh, and she was murdered and beheaded. And there's some uh, intriguing story about uh, whether it was a friend of hers or a, or a, a John or, or whatever. Um, but what is fascinating is every seven years, she allegedly comes back looking for her head. But Griffintown, it's, oh, cool. yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's kind of a, and, and again, because it, 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 it has a more, I, I think because in Canada, we have such a young history with that, that the, the, but the fact that it was, you know, 1879 gives it a, a, a flavor that's more Victorian and it makes it feel more European and more, uh, and more exciting for us, right. Than, than, than recent history. Um, and that's kind of a fascinating one, but Griffintown itself was great because when you look at an older neighborhood like that, now, which is closer to the water, you have um, a sense of history because the neighborhood itself has changed multiple times. Like, you know, every few decades, it goes through a rev- revolution. Like right now, Griffintown, you know, when Liz and I were there, we, we went to visit a whole bunch of great breweries. And, and some of the breweries are based on historical locations and buildings and stuff like that. And even, you know, there was a brewery uh, that's still the buildings there, but it was a, it was uh in competition with Molson and Labatt, which are two major Canadian breweries, which are no longer Canadian because now they're owned by uh, Adolf Coors and and uh, the, the Budweiser, uh, you know, the non-Canadian entities. <laughs> but there was an amazing brewer. I and mean, one of my most fascinating stories was this brewery was actually, you know, uh, number one in Quebec and was a major brewery. And they did one little thing 
uh, and, and there were some deaths involved, um, and, and they suddenly disappeared overnight. Um, and, and that building's still there, and it's a reminder of how culture and commerce can change. And then think about the the, the people who were employed by this uh, by this massive brewery. And so in the building still stands there as a, as a ghostly reminder of what was there. Of course, there's ghost stories about the building because it's abandoned. Mm. But again, when you go through a neighborhood like that in Griffintown, there's all these reminders of, you know, what's there now and what used to be there. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and, and I like that. Yeah. 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 In, um, here in Bath, we have a lot of ghost signs. So, you know, signs that might have been on a wall for 200 years, but now it's, um, yeah. now it's a house <laughs> or something. It's just the side of a, a house that had a sign on and they're, they're all protected. So it's quite interesting yeah, that's amazing. to see, yeah, like a glimpse into, into a past. The other thing, I mean, I love walking around cities and see, I love street art. I mean, some people think there's a fine line between graffiti and street art. <laughs> But it right, looks like right. uh, Montreal is is pretty up there with street art and murals. Um, so uh, is, is that something that, that you you like, or if have you seen oh, any yeah. particularly cool ones there? Yeah, there's some great ones because I mean Montreal also has a rich history of of writers, and Mordecai Richler is probably one of uh, Canada's uh, well known classic modern classic uh, writers. And, uh, and there's great, uh, I remember there's a great mural right, right outside one of the breweries we were at. And, and there was a picture of him and some other, some other, uh, legacy stuff from the city I found. Uh, and again, you don't discover these on, on the main streets. It's when you, when you go slightly off the beaten path that you find these fascinating things, uh, these fascinating street art and murals. Um, and, but again, you get that in any city, right? So long as you're open to exploring. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love the pictures of those things. I, I often take pictures of street art and things when I'm going. Now, you talked about uh, a brewery there. And I think very importantly, eating and drinking are, are always important when we when we travel. So what yeah. are um, what should we eat or and or drink? And even if it's just try it because you're there uh, when in yeah. Montreal. Well, I mean, uh, very Canadian uh, and, you know, very Montrealish. Uh, if you're in Canada or Montreal, you have to have the poutine. And poutine uh, is French fries with um, cheese curds and uh, hot gravy poured onto it. And so the gravy melts the cheese curds into it. Now, I know poutine is expanded beyond, you know, standard, but the best, the best poutine comes from Montreal usually. Um, it it the other does thing sound is, like you should only eat that when you have been drinking something else. <laughs> well, it, it, it really, really helps. And yeah, getting poutine at one of the breweries is amazing. And um, the, the other thing I think, um, the, the, when I'm in Montreal, I have to go get uh, go to a deli and get a smoked meat sandwich, maybe even on a Montreal-style bagel as opposed to a New York-style bagel. So they're a chewier uh, type of bagel. Uh, and it comes from uh, the Jewish uh, heritage uh, from Montreal. So going to a Montreal deli and getting a Reuben or some sort of brilliantly delicious smoked meat sandwiches is a must. Mm. And and what about uh, drinking? Is there any like particular beer you would recommend or any oh Montreal <laughs> special <laughs> yeah. drink we should know about? So uh, a lot of the, I mean, there's some amazing breweries in Montreal, including one, uh, Unibro, uh, which is just south of Montreal. But they're probably uh, one of the ones that uh, it doesn't matter where I go in the States, if they have, if they have a Canadian beer, it's usually from them. Uh, and, and their, and their beers are very highly potent. So it's usually anywhere between eight to 14%. 
Whoa, that's like um, wine. Yeah, like maudit, which is a, a French swear word, uh, is is the name of one of them, and it's I think it's a twelve for fourteen percent beer. Um, but I think the 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 style of beer that comes out of uh, Montreal is very very heavily influenced by Belgian and uh, you know French beer. Very similar to the beers that I would have when I was in France and in that in that area of Europe. So it's mm. a lot of them are the wheat based beers. Uh, they do some excellent porters and stouts as well. Uh, but unlike other places in North America where IPAs have been all the rage, where an IPA is like one of the most common beers, and then they have maybe one or two Belgian style. I think in Montreal, I mean, when Liz and I were there in the fall of 2018, we spent three days and I think we visited nine different breweries, if not 10. And they all had an amazing, an absolutely amazing selection uh, of different beers. A lot of them were very, uh, very much based on the wheat-based beers, but I, I love those. So <laughs> well, I like mm. all beers. What am I saying? And, um, and what about the, um, with the French influence, is there a, a lot of um, Canadian wine? That the, the Yeah. Oh, it's not as, it's not as well known. I mean, because unlike the, the, the wine regions of France, I mean, in Canada, a lot of the wine comes from the Niagara region because the, mm. the, 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 the climate, weather. Yeah, the climate and the weather in the Niagara Escarpment helps protect some of the some of the wines. So there are there are wineries in Quebec. Uh, they're not as probably well known, but yeah, there, you can get some really really good wines uh, in in Quebec as well. And of course, the, I mean, because it's a major city, the nightclub and the nightlife and the and the the, the drinks flow freely. <laughs> and mm, and, and it's, it's quite famous for music and uh, music oh, festivals, and goodness, I guess the, yeah. the, a bit like New, New Orleans with the kind of jazz style. Oh yeah, oh the live music, yeah, a hundred percent. And so many great musicians have come out of Montreal. Of course, I'm, I'm going to draw a blank, but I mean, one of my favorite musicians, uh, Canada's queen of rock, Sass Jordan. Um, uh, you know, that's that was her home. That's where she came from, Montreal. Uh, and and so many other great bands have come uh, come from there. But yeah, like. Like uh, even Austin has a great music scene in uh, Texas. Um, mm. New Orleans has a great music scene. Montreal, definitely great, uh, great scene. Yeah, I do think, I mean, I've I've only been to Toronto and Montreal and I definitely felt uh, very European and very, I guess, more relaxed in Montreal because Toronto <laughs> feels like a real working city. You're right, um, yeah. You know, whereas Montreal, I just felt okay. Yeah, it's it's a bit more relaxed here, um, yeah. which was which was quite interesting. But um, give us uh, three up to three books that you would recommend to give people a flavor of Montreal. Apart from obviously your own a Macabre yeah, Montreal, uh, what else would you recommend? So the one that sticks out with me is a Canadian classic called The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz. And I believe it may have been made into a movie with Richard Dreyfus when he was younger. Mm. Um, and it's by Mordecai Richler, uh, or Rickler, uh, <laughs> depending on how you want to pronounce it. Uh, you know, he's like Margaret Atwood. He's one of those legacy Canadian icons. And mm. it gives you such an amazing sense of neighborhood of this young Jewish boy growing up in Montreal. And you just get, you get a feeling like you're walking down the streets with him and it's and it's it's a, it's a coming of uh um, coming of age story as he's growing up and 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 learning about the world and so it's this it's this beautiful universal story so that's mordecai richler the apprenticeship of daddy kravitz the, the the book is fantastic the movie's pretty good as well i think i think i'm pretty sure richard dreyfus is in it and then of course one that may be more well known uh, outside of canada so kathy reichs who is a part-time canadian author who part-time lives in montreal her book uh well the first book in the series deja dead and now this is the um 
the novels in the Deja in the uh, the Deja Dad Deja, um, the, the the series that follows her a forensic uh, investigator uh, was mm. made into the television series Bones. So mm. people, you don't get a huge sense of of the neighborhoods of Montreal from the TV show, but from the books, you get a really great sense. And again, if you, if you're like me and like you, you, know, you like the thrillers and you like the tension and you like the murder and all the intrigue and the mystery. Um, so De- you're saying Deja Dead was written about Montreal? Yeah, yeah, the, that's where. Oh, that's, I didn't know. Yeah, that's uh, so. Again, you get a, you get some flavor from Montreal in those books. Um, not as rich as the neighborhoods, like the more historic '60s, '50s, '60s neighborhoods from. Uh, Mordecai Richler. And then, and then another one, which is interesting. And, and so um, the book translates into English. It's by Danny Lafreniere, uh, Lafreniere, and it's 1970. And it's called How to Make Love to a Negro. And it was translated from uh, English, uh, French into English. It was also made into a, a, a movie. And what I loved about that is it really explores the multicultural elements of Montreal from a black man's perspective. And this is a comedy. This is a comedy that he wrote about being a black man in mm. Montreal. And, and oh, as you can tell, it's dark humor, but, mm. um, and obviously in, in using a word that's probably not, uh, accepted in, in, in modern English, but that is the, the, the title that he gave. And, um, and he's been compared to Charles Bukowski, Henry Miller, or it even has even like a Jack Kerouac flavor to it. But again, I remember studying that in university and really, you know, always thinking of Montreal as just a French city, but now I was seeing it as a French black uh, man. And, and that was fascinating. So those are three different <laughs> perspectives of different neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Those are awesome. Yeah. Those are really different perspectives. Thank you for those. That's amazing. Well, and I highly recommend them. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So um, obviously people listening to this uh, love to travel and, you know, I know you travel a lot. So I want to just ask a sort of broader question. Why do you travel and what does travel bring to your writing and your life? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, I think, I mean, I travel a lot, uh, usually because I have to go somewhere uh, for a conference. But when it's my choice, I like to pick a place where I can explore on foot. Um, and, and there's a, a great book, and I can't remember the Canadian author, uh, but it was a book on walking and the importance of walking. And I've gotten, I even, I, I go back and I read Henry David Thoreau's uh, essay on walking and the importance of sauntering. Mm. Like I want to be a saunterer. It's the flaneur. And, it's the flaneur, oh, the, oh, the wanderer. Oh, yeah, flaneur, exactly. And so what I love about this, and, and, and even if uh, in a city, I, I know uh, I, I've read some great uh, novels uh, based in um, Brooklyn. Um, and so when, I, when we've gone to New York, what Liz and I very specifically do is we, we do foot, uh, we walk through neighborhoods, San Diego as well. You can actually walk from the airport downtown. It's beautiful mm. when you can walk from the airport to a, um, to a, a, a city core. I think that's the most richest experience you can have to really see the city. You can do it in LA as well. Um, uh, you're not downtown, uh, at the airport, but so I think, I love that because you really get a wonderful sense of the people rather than just like whizzing through in a taxi or whizzing, whizzing by in a car or on a bus um, because you stop and you interact with people and you connect with people. And, and that's the one of the things I love most about traveling is the universality of when you connect with other human beings in their neighborhoods, there can be feelings of welcome. There can be feelings of pride. There can be because usually when you're in, when they know that you're not from there, they want to share something with you about what makes their area special, what makes this special. Um, you know, 
Uh, I love traveling. I, I prefer not to go to a chain restaurant, for example. I'd rather find a mom and pop. Um, and, and I get, I think we get that in, in, in our craft beer explorations. Cause when you're doing craft beer, it is made right there on the spot. Mm. And so that to me is one of the richest experiences with traveling. Uh, it gets us in trouble sometimes because sometimes we go off the beaten path in the neighborhoods we shouldn't go into. But again, that gives us the real sense of the world and the real sense of what's going on as opposed to that, uh, either that prejudice or that perspective we have. Um, perfect example would be my first visit to Oklahoma City um, in the in December. And I had this impression that Oklahoma City was going to be, I knew it was going to be friendly because it's the deep south <laughs> or maybe <laughs> it has the deep south feel. But I, I didn't realize how friendly it was going to be. It felt like I was in a small Canadian city or a small Canadian town. And uh, it was just amazing, the culture. I was not expecting the richness of culture. And I think when you go to a, a city, I love to challenge myself and think about what I thought it was going to be like and then compare that to what what I actually experienced by being right in there. Mm. That to me is the the pure pleasure of travel. Now, of course, as a writer, and I know you do this as well, I'm walking down the street and sometimes I'm walking with one of my characters. Uh, and I'll use, so A Canadian Werewolf in New York was one of my fiction novels. And it was inspired by walking uh, through Midtown, New York, and imagining my character, Michael Andrews, talking to me. And I was seeing what he was seeing. I wasn't seeing it from my perspective, but I was able to see what he saw, smell what he smelled, heard what he heard. And, 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 and I do that sometimes and sometimes I'm in a place and suddenly the character jumps out and says, I'd like to be here. <laughs> You're yeah. here. Can I be here too? <laughs> and then, and then I go, really? Well, what, what would it, what would it be like for you? And I have this conversation. People look at me strange. No, I usually do it in my head, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I find that a really fascinating way. So not only do I get to experience the city, but I get to experience the city from the perspective of my character who maybe either, maybe he lives in that neighborhood or maybe he's seen it for the first time. And that, is is gold for a writer yeah that's brilliant and i mean i certainly do the same thing and uh travel is definitely uh, ends up in all my books so just uh, you mentioned one of your books there but tell people a bit more about your other books that you have and also where to find you online oh thank you uh well you can find me online at marklesley.ca and there's links to all my books and i think um, so I mentioned a Canadian werewolf in New York. So again, it's a fish out of water story of a small country town, a small town country bumpkin living in, you know, one of the world's largest cities. And he happens to have lycanthropy. So he has to deal with that. Um, some of my other stuff is uh, I Death, uh, which is really macabre, really horror. Uh, it gives you a real interesting sense of Sudbury, Ontario, which is where I grew up, small town or small city, um, as well as... Um, I'm drawing a blank, of course, on on them because there's so many of these books. So I have Michael from my Canadian Werewolf series. He has to go visit L.A. Uh, and that one's going to be called Fear and Longing in Los Angeles. Uh, again, <laughs> cool. two rips on two different popular books slash movies. Um, <laughs> so, um, but again, uh, a, a lot of that is fun. And, and I, I am going to be writing for uh, an amazing monsters anthology. Um, a mon it's called Monster Road Trip. And that's the theme. And it's like, oh, I'm going to have Michael go on a road trip now. I don't know where he's going yet. But probably in the next month or two, when I'm on the, in the car driving somewhere, I'm going to go, this is where Michael's going. Um, cool. And I'm sure that's how you get inspired for stories too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much, Mark. That was great. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for joining me today on the Books and Travel podcast. I hope you found a moment of escape. 
You can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page. And if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, download one of my books for free at jfpen.com forward slash free. Happy travels until next time.